welcome back to just uh, oh it's good no keep you- going <laughs> I was gonna say remember that time that I couldn't pronounce the name of the show we've been doing for 73 episodes mm-hmm. I do welcome back to Detroit Strange <laughs> this podcast the one you're listening to you know I'm gonna blame it on hmm. we're in that week between Christmas and New Year's that just doesn't exist mm-hmm. or it's like the best time oh no that's like because it doesn't exist it's the best time Oh, okay, like, okay, okay. I'm off all mm-hmm. this week, and that never happens. So, like, I am going to live it up. And by live it up, I mean play a lot of freaking video games. Oh, good. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I will. What will I be doing this week? Nothing abnormal. Although, I do know a lot of people with this week off, so I will try to have some outdoor visits, probably with a few people. Nice. Yeah. Wendy, friend of the show got a new house not that long ago and she has i guess a fire pit and she invited me over for warm beverages i look forward to it oh that sounds lovely not at night though (laughs) no it's cold at night (laughs) yeah yeah uh did you and lisa do anything fun for the holidays uh we made a bunch of food uh she made a bunch of like stuff she usually has i made a bunch of stuff that i would usually have we kind of combined forces Uh and had like a more like a brunch really but yeah she's polish and she made well she got some homemade pierogies because they're hard to make and she also made enough sauerkraut for about a family of 25 okay solid it's really good though but a lot of sauerkraut she put kielbasa in it she did and mushrooms yum Oh, I've never heard mushrooms of that. I like that. Yeah, I think they're like the pickled or can't like they were definitely like uh in something like Okay. To add to they went along yeah. with it very well. I know I didn't yeah. either. She also bought a giant ham, which I'm not normally a ham person, but I didn't know people put horseradish and sour cream on ham. And I think that I like would make it better. Though. Yeah, because like I'm not usually a ham person either. Yeah, I was like, this is good. Yeah. Usually I like like ham bone soup. Like the with all the beans and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and that's what my mom would do. She would like make um split pea soup with the ham bone. Okay, ham I'm bone. making a soup with this ham bone because she bought a lot of ham too. Uh, <laughs> so we gotta bone. do something with it. Yeah. yeah, and then my my family we just always have like basically appetizers all day long. So I made like a baked brie and and Yum. I made deviled eggs, which I was very happy about thinking We'd about at the last egg. minute yeah they're a solid thing i'm trying to think i know there was other foods but now i can't remember what else i put out but it was good oh a shrimp ring i put out a shrimp ring oh y'all yeah. fancy you got that mm-hmm. shrimp ring mm-hmm. yep i sure did yeah and then i had a family zoom with my extended family which was lovely nice we did an extended zoom too or a extended a family zoom yeah, too I- <laughs> mm-hmm it was kind of chaotic because at one point I think we had like 16 screens going like computer people logged on yeah and my family's uh, not real great about not talking over each other but I mean it's hard with like the lag and stuff but like it was a little chaotic but I mean so is my family so it worked out well well that's good yeah it was nice to be able to see everyone because like we almost always get together Christmas Eve with our family mm-hmm. so it was nice to at least see faces yeah, I well, I haven't seen my extended family on the holiday in forever. Like when I was a kid, we would because they're kind of spread out, right? Yeah, I was gonna say what none of us live near each other, so <laughs> yeah, we're slowly spreading out. Yeah, I mean it happens. Yeah, 
Yeah. We were always like from the time I was born spread out. So we all kind of like started in Michigan, but now like slowly spreading out like a cousin in South Carolina, cousins in Arizona, cousins in California, a lot of people in Florida now. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just listed as many people as are in my family, but (laughs) (laughs) solid. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's fun. Good. Excited. I got some new pots and pans for Christmas, so I'm excited to try them out. Oh, and I got Ina Garn's new cookbook, Modern Comfort Ooh. Food. I was like trying to tab all the pages with the recipes I wanted to make, and then I realized I was tabbing like every other page. Mm-hmm. I was going to say the book, <laughs> the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> you could tell my mom was just like, oh my God, why did I give them this like halfway through the day? Because I was just like, oh my God, mom, Ina, she said this really poignant thing about entertaining. Isn't that great? And she's like, yeah. Are we still talking about her? I'm like, yes, we are. How dare you? <laughs> Maybe you should do a, um, like a like that movie from Julie to Julia or whatever, and just oh yeah, Julia and Julia or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll make all the Ina Garden recipes. <laughs> Have you seen that movie? It's been a second, but yeah, I I liked I half liked of it. it. I liked the Julia half. I was gonna say, I think I know that that. That woman actually did do that. The whole blog and stuff was yeah. a real thing. And I think that's interesting. But the interesting parts of the movie were seeing like the Julia Child almost biography. I mean, obviously, it was like a Hollywood movie. So not necessarily 100%. But yeah, it was more interesting. Yeah. Seeing the Julia Child section right. of it. Like no shade to Amy Adams. That's who it was. No, Amy Adams, no, she's right? fan- no. Yeah, she's fantastic. Like she's good. It's just kind of like okay you're some basic white bitch making some food in a not that interesting way and then it would flip to Julia mm-hmm. Child just like I'm in France oh, isn't this exciting I think it's just anytime you have a movie with more than one like storyline yeah, it's really there's always something a little bit missing for some reason and I like a lot of those movies but yeah. it, they do feel like they're kind of missing something and I think it's because you're not like super diving into the one and you need some sort of like converge like heavy convergence yeah and yeah so it's almost like watching two separate miniature movies right I also watched recently um it's on HBO Max go plus whatever it is is it Max (laughs) I don't know it's Max yeah okay HBO Max Meryl Streep had a new movie let them all talk on there Oh, I really liked it. It was like, I was like watching an interview about it and like, she kind of said like she kind of jumped at it right away because like you don't see stories about three women, especially of that age, kind of like with the focus on them. Mm -hmm. And it was just interesting too, because like Meryl Streep was a very interesting character. Like the premise of their friendship is they were all really close in college. Then Meryl Streep's character comes a f- like a famous act or a famous author, and kind of the other two just had very like normal lives. Yeah, and like one of the women was really bitter because she kind of felt that like she should have made it big too or something like that. Like somehow she was wronged in this process. Mm-hmm. And it was like they hadn't seen each other in years, and so like then they're on a cruise together. They like they're stuck on the Queen Mary two crossing the Atlantic the whole movie. Oh, so like a very long. Uh, journey. <laughs> yeah. Highly recommend, though. I really liked it. Okay. Yeah. I love Meryl Streep. Like, Same. Oh. Never been disappointed in my life by her, because Meryl Streep. <laughs> if you had to pick your least favorite Meryl Streep movie you've seen, though. 
Can't do it. It's too hard to pick a favorite. Actually, you're, you're not going to like my least favorite. Oh, no. Is it Devil Wears Prada? Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, you had a thing with Anne Hathaway, though, right? Is it? No. no. Or is it just you just didn't like the movie? I saw it once, and it was fine, but I there's, I don't want to ever watch it again. Yeah. So when I say least favorite, I didn't dislike it. I just have no urges Fair. to watch it again. Just wasn't your cup of tea. I think what it is is with a movie like that too, and this is this is just the way it is. Sometimes like the the parts of it are so predictable. Yeah. And there's a comfort in that for sure too. But sometimes like I don't know, I get sidetracked and like yeah, my brain goes off and I can't focus. I think it's just something about me loves fashion. It's probably that I'm gay, but. Uh... <laughs> That like, cause I like, I love Devil Wears Prada. I love Ugly Betty. I love. I love um, Ugly Betty. <laughs> Ugly Betty is probably one of my favorite shows. It's one that I rewatch every couple of years. I should. I have never rewatched it, but I watched it very avidly when it was on. I did. I loved. I highly recommend watching series. it start to finish on Hulu. Just okay. Cause it holds up so well. Okay. You know but, what I watched oh, yesterday? Quick, oh yeah. I was gonna say my least favorite Meryl Streep movie is oh, yeah, Breaking sorry. the Flash. That's basically all I have to say. It was Ricky and the Flash. Oh, I don't know that one. It was just like the character seemed kind of weird because she was like kind of hippy dippy, but also weirdly conservative and just kind of like, I don't know. I feel like it was just like kind of a, I don't know. It was just wasn't my cup of tea. And that's totally but, fair. Yeah. I think it was just like, yeah. it was an, like she did great with the color character. It just was a very unlikable character for me. And that's, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. What were you going to say? So. Myself, along with basically everybody on the planet yesterday. Do you know what I watched? Wonder Woman 1984? No, I did not. Uh, I liked the first Wonder Woman. I honestly, I would watch Wonder Woman 1984. I am not running to do it. And also since then, I have heard some mixed reviews of it. So really, the only thing I've heard very about little. It, yeah. The only thing I've interest. seen about it is Katya tweeted, this Wonder Woman movie is rotten. And so I'm like, that's, I trust her. Yeah, everybody's not been loving it from what I've seen. Which is and... a bummer because Kristen Wiig's in it, I think. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, I think she's in it. No. What'd you watch? What'd you watch? Soul on Disney+. Plus. Oh, I kept seeing ads of that. Was it good? It is so good. And it was funny because I started watching it just because I, I was on Disney+, Plus because I watched Home Alone 2, naturally. And then I was just poking around looking and I was like "Mm, more Christmas more Christmas but obviously they're advertising soul and I was like I don't even really know what it's about but I know it's new so I just put it on I loved it and then I went on social media and apparently everybody was watching it at the same time because it was just like like everybody was just like was just mentioning soul I feel like Disney still has that kind of star power where like it's a big deal when they release a movie, especially an animated yeah. one. Well, and this one deals with some, you know, big life topics. Okay. Yeah. It it has to do what's our soul's purpose, basically, is the, the kind of guiding question. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. That so, is kind of deep. But very well done. And I loved it. Nice. I kind of want to watch it again. <laughs> Maybe I'll watch it during this week because, like I said, video games and movies. And I got a new book I'm excited to read, too. Oh, nice. And only me. Only I'm going to be excited about this. It's basically about um, 
Timothy Dalton's like Lost Bond films because he was supposed to. He I think his contract was originally for four, and he only did two. So it's about his third and fourth Bond films that never happened. Okay. I know. I need to find someone who will talk Bond with me because no one in my life will, and Jen's getting tired of it. (laughs) If I know anybody, I will send them your way for sure. Please, I just I need someone Mm because I just. Especially because I just keep rewatching them. Like I think I'm gonna rewatch from Russia with Love later. If you could get this into like Doctor Who or something, I could find somebody for you. But <laughs> I don't. I like. I don't know. I guess I didn't realize that Bond was this niche. I don't know that. I don't think it is. I think there are fans. If you're a Bond fan, just DM me. Yes, please do. Alex needs a friend. <laughs> I know. I need someone to talk Bond with because my friends are getting sick of me. <laughs> No, it's not that we're getting sick. It's just we don't know what to say. One thousand percent. I mean, I don't want to speak on everybody's behalf, but I'm like, I have no comment because I don't know. I know, I know. You know, and like I got real intense about it as my 110 question Google form for every movie mm-hmm. showed. <laughs> it's okay when you when you truly love something, it, you should embrace it. So, thank you. Congrats for finding that. I hope we all can find a love like you and Bond. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, another thing that I love that nobody else does is recorders. Like, like the, the instrument? instrument? Yeah, the instrument, mm-hmm. the shitty plastic flute. I think there's people who love those. I mean, like, elementary school music teachers. Yes. So my work had a Zoom Christmas party. Someone, yeah, like, true. asked me to host a breakout room. Music trivia, and then, like, I would like kind of was like, oh, what are we going to do? What's the format going to be? And then I just had so many ideas. And one of them was to play songs on my recorder and make people guess. Mm-hmm. What fucking person is like, I'm going to play my recorder for you all, work coworkers? I bet they thought it was fun and honest. I hope so. I used to think I'm too fun to work in corporate America, but now I think fun's not the right word. No, I think that's fun. My mom was kind of like, I think you've been cooped up too long. I'm like, you're not wrong, but I was just like, this is going to be so much fun. This is going to be great. (laughs) That's everybody right now, though. Everybody should just understand everybody's quirks right now. Extra. Yeah. The year that everybody's literally had together. So. Yeah. But it's okay, because, you know, in a couple days, we're done, right? Exactly. 2020 will be over in a couple days. (laughs) And it's also someone's birthday. It is my birthday this week. Yes. (laughs) It's Eve, not day, right? Correct, yes. Okay. You just squeezed in at that very last, very last day of the year. I sure did. Yes. It's okay. My dad still got to go party, as legend has been told to me. That's good. I remember my dad was watching the Red Wings, I think, when my sister was being born. (laughs) oh dads I was lucky because I don't think there's any sports in August to my knowledge I'm very probably wrong I feel like there's a preseason for something there's probably baseball because baseball goes on for like 17 months like it does yeah it starts in like May and is done like July of the following year like (laughs) clearly not a sports podcast still no or ever (laughs) yeah I mean, unless we do a sports-specific topic with a lot of research, and even then... I would love 
for one of us to cover a sports topic just to see. I mean, it is Detroit. We're, we've kind of been irresponsible to not even... I think like a Detroit Tiger has been mentioned in a story once or something, but... I mean, according to my dad, the Lions suck, have always sucked, and will continue to suck. So, like, maybe it's better we don't talk about sports. Yes, that's true. Sports have come up a few times. We just never had sports-centric topics. Oh, no. Yeah. If you're looking for that, there's probably a sports podcast on our network somewhere. There is. Fan to fan. Fan to fan. Mm -hmm. Go check that out. But... What are you sipping on this week? Are you sipping on anything? No, I mean, I have a, a Kroger brand seltzer water, but it's orange vanilla. That sounds good. Yeah, it's like a, a melted creamsicle. Fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm just having coffee. Just in my... I mean, I love this mug because it says pothead and has a pot, like, pot of coffee. It's cute. <laughs> yeah. But are you ready for a story now? I would love a story. I guess it's not so much a story as a series of stories. Um, Okay. (laughs) Basically, I found a really interesting article on a Detroit news blog about Christmas throughout the years in Detroit. Okay. Just kind of like traditions the city has had for the season. Oh, okay, fun. Yeah. I thought it was fitting because, I mean, I know Christmas has passed, but... No, New Year's is the new Christmas. I told you last week. Fair. It is. Wait, before we get started on their Christmas traditions, does your family have any weird Christmas traditions? Mm-mm. I could share one for my family, if you want to think for a minute. Yeah, let me think, but go ahead and share yours. Like, my mom heard of a tradition of, like, hiding a pickle on the Christmas tree, mm-hmm. but she didn't want to put a pickle, and so we use a fake turd, so there's always a fake turd to hit in our Christmas tree somewhere. <laughs> That is a weird one, but it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think we have any... I mean, we have some traditions, I suppose, but... What's your favorite one? Probably food-related. I don't know. Um, I mean, appetizers all day on Christmas does sound pretty dope. They're the best food. We always start the day with, like, a cocktail-y drink, too. <laughs> like, either mimosas or, like, a, a fun coffee or something like that. Well, that's fun. Low stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, food, sometimes we do drinks. have. My grandmother's mother made a um during the depression made a very specific dumpling recipe up. It's just like potatoes and flour and salt, but it's the way she makes it is very specific. Mm-hmm. We call them potato dumplings. Obviously, there's a lot of potato dumplings in the world, and that is somewhat of a tradition, you know, to make those because the best part about them is you're supposed to eat them like at night with gravy or something like that but the best part is when you have leftover ones you cut them up and you saute them in a pan with scrambled eggs oh mm-hmm. that sounds so good probably my favorite tradition i'd say because it's like a special yeah so like the first people celebrating christmas in the city were the french catholics i wrote down french catholic churches in the cities were trendsetters <laughs> the church is like St. Anne's, which is Detroit's oldest Catholic church. Mm-hmm. Quick side journey on that. And I wrote, I hope that side journeys were on your Christmas list because we have a ton today. <laughs> so along with being the oldest in Detroit, it's the second oldest continuously operating Roman Catholic church in the U.S. It was founded by French colonists in 1701. 
Uh, the current building, the Gothic Revival uh, building they have now, was built in 1886, and it's at 1000 St. Anne Street in the Richard Hubbard, or Ricard Hubbard, I don't know if it's French, neighborhood. And on March 1st of 2020, uh, the Pope gave the church a minor basilica status. Not sure oh. what it means, but it sounds fancy. It does sound very fancy. Yeah. Uh, some of the old French traditions at the time were Yule logs, and I don't mean the cake, just like a really big log, mm-hmm. or like even just like a stump a tree. Mm-hmm. Well, um, isn't the the cake one is called Bouche de Noel, isn't it? I think so. I made one in high school. It took a long time, so I don't think I'll ever forget that name because it was an undertaking. <laughs> I bet because all those like kind of rolled cakes are not mm-hmm. easy. Well, you have to do meringue mushrooms on it too. And like so, there was like oh, I didn't know that a lot of extra stuff. Yes, accoutrements. One of our accoutrements. favorite words. Yes. yes. <laughs> so to get really big logs and half a cord of wood, which I was like, what is a cord of wood? Mm-hmm. A cord is 128 cubic feet of wood. That's a lot of wood. Yeah. So basically, it's like four feet wide by four feet tall by eight feet long. I wrote in other units, just a shit ton of wood to get the wood yule log going. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, they also celebrated a feast called uh, Réveillon. They had pronunciation for that one, so that's why I know how to say it. Cydrian <laughs> Réveillon. It's basically like a long dinner held seemingly on both Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. And the name comes from the French word for waking, since you have to stay up past midnight as part of it. I wrote in front of sorry mom and dad, I guess you're out on this one because they go to bed at like 10pm at the latest. <laughs> In Detroit, part of the tradition was to carry a lantern to midnight mass and leave it with a beggar at the church door. Yet after mass, they would retrieve their lantern and give a tip for the beggar. And then they would go home and feast until 8 a.m. That's a very odd tradition because just to like count on the fact that they're going to quote unquote be a beggar and enough to like hold everybody's... My brain. (laughs) Yeah, no, it is a weird tradition. I guess it's nice because they give them money and so like... Here's some mm-hmm. Christmas Christmas stuff, but uh, mm-hmm. also just the fact that they would go home after that and feast until 8 a.m. Like, that is a long time. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Right. <laughs> I don't want to like, do any of that. No. But it sounds like they had some good food. Like, it was traditionally, like, luxurious food. Like, lobsters, Ooh. oyster, escargot, foie gras, turkey oh, wow. when available. So, like, back in the day, it was wild turkeys, and they were smaller than like the massive ones we have today. Mm-hmm. And I have a quote from friend Palmer, city historian and author of the book Early Days in Detroit, wrote that they were too much for one, not enough for two. Just <laughs> on the size of the turkey. Okay. So like a game hen. Those little Cornish game hens. Yeah. They would be cleaned, seasoned, and strung up over the hearth fire with cord and then slowly turned and basted as they cooked. That just makes me think of Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> Got the little spit. That was actually based off of Detroit Christmases. (laughs) You can't tell, but there's actually, like, in the background, a lot of shots, like the Renaissance Center, Ford Fields is one of them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, look really close, though. They also had a meat pie called tortillere, I think. Mm. Which, in the 19th century, it was made with pigeons. Like... Okay. I was like, I like how it's like this fancy meal. They've got escargot, lobster, oyster, and then pigeon pie. But I feel like pigeon was actually kind of like a um, a fancy thing in like the Victorian era or something, huh. wasn't it? 
I don't know. I've heard of people eating pigeon before. And I was actually just thinking, when did that stop? I'm guessing probably around the end of the 19th century. Um, yeah. Because it said later on it was made with pork veal or game. Okay. Pumpkin pie made the list. Cool. Yum. It's not my favorite. It's my least favorite pumpkin dessert. Oh, no. I love pumpkin pie. Fair. Uh, also, they had cider. Because Cause cider. Yeah. Yeah. And while it's really not celebrated here much anymore, they still celebrate it in Quebec. And I guess it's like a touristy thing in New Orleans. Okay. They apparently also had horse races when there was snow. Mm-hmm. Men would race their French ponies up Michigan Avenue. Oh. In 1851, when Ulysses S. Grant was stationed in Detroit after the Mexican War, he could be seen racing along with them on the streets or even on the frozen Detroit River, which, bold. Yeah. Ooh. Like, I can't imagine having a horse galloping across a frozen river. No. But um, but it was probably colder then, too. Oh, yeah. you know, global warming. True. Like, I mean, I've seen up north people, like, drive cars across the lake, and I'm like, that is mm-hmm. bold. That mm-hmm. is very bold, because not only could me. you fall through... Yeah, because, like, not only, like, falling through, but you fall through in a car, and those are hard to get out of in the water. Yeah. Have you ever fallen through ice? Never, like, where I fell, like, oh, my God, all the way in. It's always kind of just like, ah, oh, shit, I'm up to my ankle. Like, I did. <laughs> Oh no, how old were you? When was I this? went up to like my chest. I was probably <sighs> like eight or nine and I was playing in the woods behind our house with some neighbor kids who are all older than me. Uh-huh. And my one friend's foot went through next to me, so it kind of broke the ice. And then she jumped off the ice and then I went in to about oh. my chest and then they pulled me out and pulled me home on a sled. <laughs> At least they like they they helped you out. It was a po- it was like a little pond. So what luckily yeah. wasn't like anything too hard. Like we were close yeah. to an edge, but yeah, I was least close. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. That was a, like, I've never found the day. So it's interesting to hear. Uh, children would receive small gifts in their shoes for some reason. Why not? <laughs> I like, I remember I did more Christmas trivia for work and in the Netherlands, they leave out wooden clogs for to get gifts in from Sinterklaas. Mm-hmm. I've heard that before. I don't know where, but I know somebody's told me about that before, yeah. I mean, it sounds better than wearing wooden clogs. Yes. Just like, slip a Game Boy in one. I won't wear it, just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, I think like it's been mentioned on the show before, but like when the French were in the city, they had a decent relationship with the Native Americans, so they would welcome them to come join in the celebration and would exchange gifts and food with each other, again, mm-hmm. on both Christmas and New Year's. Around the 1840s, the Protestants decided to join in on the fun of Christmas, and that's all the article they mentioned about the Protestants, because I guess they're not that exciting. Um, but... We're going to fast forward a little bit to the Victorian times. So Victorian Christmas in the D is what I titled the section. Love that. Yes. So customs kind of changed and it became like all the rage to have holiday dinners at hotel restaurants. Huh. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Like kind of like the top of the, like the top hotel, like the most sought after one was uh, the Russell House Hotel. Which brings us to another side journey. Uh, it was opened in 1857 by W.H. Russell. It was on the corner across from Campus Marshes next to what is now Cadillac Square. Mm-hmm. 
It was the city's leading hotel for nearly 50 years and like the center of the Detroit social scene. Like I think it mentioned like Prince Edward of Wales came there before he was king. Edward oh, wow. of England, I guess. Um, uh, and also, it was like constantly changing with parts being torn down and parts added on to. So it was just like ever-changing building. And uh, it was where Detroiters gathered to hear news about the Civil War. And mm-hmm. yeah, just kind of like a hub, a social hub for the city. Uh, unfortunately, in 1905, it was closed and demolished. Okay. I guess like at that time, like bigger hotels were starting to open up and they yeah, couldn't no, compete. I'm, there's yeah. been a lot of things demolished. It, it Sometimes yeah. it's necessary. Yeah. They so they had a menu in the article about one of the dinners and I just kind of wrote down some of the more interesting items that were of offered for Christmas dinner at these hotels. Uh green turtle. Huh. You get a turtle, I guess. A fillet of beef larded with fresh mushrooms. I don't know what larded means, but I'm guessing uh, cooked in like fat stuffed? of some sort of. Oh. Maybe. Uh they would drink Rowan punch, which have you heard of? Mm-mm. I actually kind of want to try and make this because it does sound kind of good. It's lemonade, orange juice, champagne, rum, egg whites, lemon juice, and confectioner's sugar. Yeah, that could be good. Yeah. For some reason, I uh, want it warm. That makes sense. Yeah. It just reminds me of a TikTok I saw. We had to mention TikTok at least once. Of like someone who found like an old-timey recipe for lemonade and it was like, lemon juice, sugar, I saw egg this whites. One. Yep. They made it, and at the end, they're like, this is terrible. Don't make it. Yeah. <laughs> they had chicken salad on the menu, which I thought was kind of odd, like, to have, like, you know, I mean, chicken salad's good, I guess, but, like... I wonder if it was different then, though, too. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Uh, they also had Madaria, or Mad- Madeira jelly. I don't know. It's something French. I couldn't really find much about it. Okay. And... Roquefort, which is a sheep milk cheese. I probably did not pronounce that correctly, but yolo. I think it's just Roquefort, like just one, Rockford? like yeah, Roquefort okay. cheese. That makes yeah. sense. So people in the 1800s were stupid. <laughs> I just this is the t- section titled "Fire" because oh, this no. is so. Like in the later half of the 1800s is when Christmas trees started to gain popularity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And obviously, electric lights didn't exist in the mid-1800s. Yeah. So people would, like, attach candles to trees they had mm-hmm. cut down and were in the process of dying, which means drying out. Like, yeah. no matter how you watch you water a live Christmas tree, it's going to dry out at some point. Mm-hmm. You're just yeah. pressing your luck. As if that wasn't bad enough, they also, instead of, like, a normal tree skirt, would use, like, some kind of like loose white cotton to put around the tree to look like snow and sometimes they would okay. put candles around that loose cotton oh good yeah and then uh we're not done with the fire hazards <laughs> the ornaments some of them were made out of something called aniline dye and they liked it because of the rich purple color it produced but it was highly flammable and would sometimes explode oh wow so combustible <laughs> Yes. And they would also make ornaments out of celluloid, which is also hella flammable, as the scientists say. (laughs) So trees were just one big fire hazard. But this is where things get even worse, because it's the 1800s. And again, Mm. electric lighting doesn't exist. Do you remember what people used for light back then? Fire? Gas. 
Just gas. Oh, they I had see. pipes of gas oh. just coming out of the wall, pointing up. Good. Yeah. And like, so then they would take like ropes of pine and like string it along these fire pipes. And of course, <laughs> those would dry out too and catch fire mm-hmm. on the pipes that contain gas. And so the article also had some reports from Detroit newspapers at, t- at the time about fire damage because, again, there was a lot. Of course, things caught on fire because. Yeah. They were like basically just like a pile of hay you're just throwing gasoline on and then <laughs> lighting it on fire. Mm-hmm. But here's one from 1902. A Christmas tree loaded with inflammable ornaments and candles caused a six-story building to burn down the Alexander Student Building. Oh, no. 1904. A false beard worn by Bert M. Tuttle, judge of the town court, who was enacting the part of Santa Claus at the Christmas celebration at the Methodist Church, caught fire from the Christmas tree candles, and Judge Tuttle was severely burned. The church was threatened by fire, and panic was prevented with great difficulty. Oh, no. Yeah. So just, like, fires, fires everywhere. Yeah. And started a new Christmas tradition of the Detroit Fire Marshal to warn people about Christmas trees every year. (laughs) Uh, In 1909, one fire chief by the name of James Broderick said the following... Don't have a Christmas tree at all. The worst is they go up like Tinder once they get a good start. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So Christmas lights, like electric Christmas lights, were first seen in 1882 in New York City. Oh, wow. Uh, The vice president of Edison Electric Light Company, Edward H. Johnson, had them on his tree in his Fifth Avenue house. Par for the course, local New Yorkers were not impressed. But a Detroit newspaper picked up on the story and ran it, and the nation became obsessed. But they would not become widely available until the 1930s. So almost like, oh, wow. what, 40 years later? Yeah. That's a stretch of time. Yeah. Oh, definitely. The first city tree was in 1912. Mayor Oscar Marx had set it up on Woodward across from City Hall. Mm-hmm. And they had electric lights somehow, and it was tradition for the... F- like for the first few years that his son Junior would flip the switch. Uh, cute. Yeah. So like I said, Christmas trees started to catch on in the late 1800s, but they weren't exactly plenty in the Detroit area. Things like forest fires and overharvesting and taking out a big supply of trees. So in 1909, uh, G.S. Ferguson had the idea of a Christmas tree farm. Uh, the first one he planted was fir trees that he planted with the company name of Evergreen Tree Company on 80 mm-hmm. acres of land in Alcona County by Lake Huron. The funny thing was, he wasn't even trying to have them for Christmas. Apparently, a Parisian pharmaceutical company would pay $16 a pound for evergreen fur sap. Oh. So that's why he started doing them. But then people kind of got word of these trees, and they were like, can we buy some of the small ones? So he started selling the trees, and business was booming. Mm-hmm. So much so that he expanded to 600 acres from the 80 he originally wow. had. And he still couldn't meet demand, so he encouraged others to start farms. Like, just for an idea, in 1908, 1,500 trees were sold, and by 1912, it was up to 75,000. Wow, that is a large increase. (laughs) Yeah. Did I say 15,000 or 1,500? I meant Uh, 15,000. Oh, you said 1,500. Okay. Sorry. Still, that's a large increase. Yeah. In 1908, 15,000 trees were sold, (laughs) and in contrast, in 1912, that was up to 75,000, so... 60,000 more in just four years. Oh, if you think I'm cutting that, I'm not. Damn it. Okay. (laughs) I can't be the only one to mess up numbers. That's fair. (laughs) 
Well, we're not perfect. We're not a perfect podcast. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So now here's a section I have called toys and shit. <laughs> so the earliest toys for kids were sugar roosters, or I have in parentheses, sugar cocks, and <laughs> gingerbread cookies shaped like horses, Native Americans, and bobsleds. Which side note? <laughs> Sorry. What? I have a side note about gingerbread men. Yes. Uh, have you ever seen Gremlins? I have not. Okay, there's a scene where the mom is just making the heaviest, largest gingerbread bread cookie. Like they like, like it's, it sounds like a brick when she puts down on the counter. They're also <laughs> the ugliest gingerbread cookies I've ever seen, and I was just like, <laughs> why to any of this? Why are they the size of her head? Why do they sound like a brick? And why are they so ugly? Damn. What is she doing with them? Why are you doing gingerbread like that, man? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the go other on. thing, I made some gingerbread, and I, for some reason, I was. Just, I loved um, yours. Thank you. I, for some reason, was like getting a kick out of calling them gingerbread. I'm like, I'm making some gingerbread cookies. Okay. Like I said, I've been cooped up a bit. I'm playing my recorder yeah. with my gingerbread cookies. That's I mean, again, watching Bond movies. Everybody's cooped. We all we all a little wacky. Yeah. Uh, so starting in 1840s, Detroit stores were offering um, wooden toys for boys, and girls had dolls with genuine hair, like human hair. Gross. Okay. Mm-hmm. 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 In 1892, toys got a bit better and less made from human hair. Boys had things like toy banks, wind-up tin toys, and wind-up boats modeled after modem- modern aluminum sailboats. Girls apparently got shit because it didn't mention anything. Oh. In 1902, apparently this is when batteries existed, which seems really early. Like, I'm kind of surprised they had battery-powered toys in 1902, but... Well, but we uh, talked about cars the other day, and there were car batteries at that point, too. True. I think they were just different. They were probably not what we're thinking of, but similar. Yeah. You know, yeah. But it's just crazy, because electricity was so new at that point, I feel like. But Mm -hmm. I'm not a scientist. But apparently they would use these batteries to power things like toy automobiles. The batteries would last about six months. They also had battery-powered chickens that pecked grains. Oh, wow. And flying vessels, not planes because Orville and Redenbacher, the Wright brothers, wouldn't fly until later that year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think that's their names, but that's a South Park it's, reference it's not... I had to put in there. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Orville Redenbacher's popcorn. Oh, for sure. There was just yeah, like a okay. South Park episode where Cartman was like, I am following the example of the the Wright brothers, Orville and Redenbacher. Okay. Like, so I just thought of that and I had to put it in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, this is around when the phrase, you'll put someone's eye out, probably came around because they also apparently had miniature rifles that shot real bullets. Oh, Seems wow. Seems like a great idea. Give your children yeah. a gun that shoots real bullets. Yeah. America. Um... And again, girls got question mark, didn't mention them. Cool. Um, Probably just dolls the whole time. Dolls, yeah, dolls, dolls, dolls. With or without Oy. human hair. Yes. And around this time is when stores started to advertise gifts for adults. Edward W. Alexander had a shop on Monroe Street that had umbrellas, pretty plants, and even a live alligator. Oh. Not sure why, but I guess I that just that. completed the display. Yeah. <laughs> In 1890, J.L. Hudson advertised silk stuff and bowler hats for men, and muffs and, quote, black lynx, natural lynx, Japanese monkey, opossum, beaver, or cape seal for the ladies. Oh, wow. All the muffs. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So many muffs. 
Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, my brain. Okay. No, it's why I said it. (laughs) I know, I know. No, my... Uh, For some reason, my brain translated to too many muffs on the dance floor. Too many muffs, too many muffs. Yeah. (laughs) Why? Um, Anyway. (laughs) So, the last kind of Detroit tradition was... They kind of Detroiters have always been good about helping out others, and their Detroiters were known for their generosity around the holidays. Oh, they annually nice. supply dinners, presents, and general cheer and goodwill to thousands around the holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the Civil War was happening, they would give like two to three hundred wounded soldiers dinner. Mm-hmm. In nineteen fourteen, the old Newsboys Goodfellow Fund was started by James J. Beardy. Brady? I don't Brady. I think it was Brady. I don't know why there's an E in there. It's okay. definitely Brady. I spelled it wrong. Oh, okay. I like Bready, though. Yeah. James Bready. Uh, so he started the Old Newsboys Goodfellow Fund with the mission of providing a Merry Christmas to poor children. He led 300 other Detroit businessmen to sell newspapers on the street corners to be able to help 17,000 children. Oh, wow. I guess I just wrote 17,000. So maybe that was like children and just 17,000 people in general. Okay. Also, handing out coal was actually a good thing back in the day. Uh, some years, up Keep to warm. three tons of... Yeah, and cook the food. So oh, yeah, yeah. Some years, up to three tons of coal was given out with the dinner basket so that people would have a way to cook the food they were given. And I have a quote from a newspaper article from 1847 talking about the desires of Detroiters to help one another. You that delight in doing good, and who is there that should not, Search out a destitute family and by the small donation of a turkey, pig, or some such thing, make a merry Christmas for those who otherwise would return to their beds hungry and starving. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I just thought it was nice that uh, they had that little section about how Detroiters have kind of always been trying to help each other out. Yeah. You know, this year's no different, you know? Yeah. Just kind of try. Yeah, no, that's lovely. Yeah. So my sources before I forget, uh, like mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, this is a lot of this comes from a Detroit News blog article. I also have historicdetroit.org and Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought yeah. there was going to be another Anne. Sorry. Oh, nope. Nope. <laughs> I don't That's know why. It. No, but that was good. Thank you. That was no fun. Problem. I thought it was kind of interesting to see how Christmas was celebrated throughout the years in the city. Yeah. And actually, you've earned yourself a two truths and a lie. And Hell it's, yeah. it's real on point with your story because it's all about New Year's Eve traditions around the world. Ooh. Yeah. So, not Christmas, not Detroit specific, but yes. 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 So, are you ready? I am. Okay. Number one. In Erie, Irie, Ireland, in Celtic tradition on New Year's Eve, they perform what they call camber where they round they gather round item give each other round items while sitting in a circle around a fire such as rings and coins to bring in the new year and close the old year and welcome in the new light okay in akita japan there's a local tradition called namahaj where grown men dress like demons to scare children into behaving for their parents they go from house to house yelling things like are there any cry ba- cry babies at home and in germany they do blegensein, or lead pouring. They pour a dollop of molten lead in cold water in whatever shape forms may be telling about the year to come. Ooh, that's a fun one. Um, 
I'm going to say two is the lie. Uh, two is not the lie. Two is absolutely true. <laughs> uh, I was like thinking about it. I'm like, that sounds like it could be true. But the mm-hmm. molten lead thing sounds like they all sound like this is a good one because they all sound like they could be true. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to say the molten lead one. Three is the lie. That is also not the lie. Damn. <laughs> Should I get one more guess? You can have one more guess. <laughs> is number one the lie? <laughs> number one is the lie. Um, ah, third ties the charm. I made absolutely everything about that one up. None of that exists whatsoever. Uh, there is there is a region called that, and camber is a word. <laughs> uh-huh. That's about it. But <laughs> it is lie. Solid lie. I was... I was pretty proud of this one. I was like, ooh, I might have done As it this you time. should be. You really did. Thank you. But I do no have problem. some more traditions and ooh, just yes. some New Year's Eve facts Please to tell. share with you. There's quite a few, but I, th- I like them all, so we're going to go through them. In the Chilean town of Talca, they party in cemeteries around the graves of their loved ones. Okay. That was started just by, like, one family did it once, and everybody was like, that looks fun. And they, like, drink and eat and whatever in yeah. the cemetery together. In Colombia, when the clock strikes 12, the wanderlust-stricken Colombians will walk or jog around their houses or building with an empty suitcase, hoping that the coming year the suitcase will be filled at some point. Okay. In uh, Ecuador, they have a hot New Year's Eve tradition. They make effigies of people who represented the outgoing year, so like politicians, celebrities, and such, and then burn them. (laughs) (laughs) Solid tradition. Meanwhile... Uh, men dressed in drag said to represent the widows of the burned effigies maybe trudge through <laughs> the streets asking people for small change love it yep. love a drag queen <laughs> throughout Latin America people wear colorful underpants to ring in the new year fun mm-hmm. Romania farmers celebrate the coming year by conversing with farm animals solid we love mm-hmm. to talk to farm animals mm-hmm in Naples, Italy, they like firing things out of windows, so just like throwing stuff out of windows. And it's meant to symbolize out with the old and with the new kind of situation. Nice. Now they're a little bit more mindful about what they actually throw, but it used to just be whatever. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just th- mm-hmm. whatever you need to get rid of, just toss it out the window. Yep. Uh, in Italy, in all of Italy, wearing red underwear is supposed to bring in good fortune for the new year. In Spain, scarfing down exactly 12 grapes during the first 12 seconds of the new year is considered lucky. Each one represents a month of the year. But this may have started as a marketing tactic for winemakers looking to sell more grapes in the winter months. (laughs) I also (laughs) Um, love the idea of, like, if you can't get 12 down in 12 seconds, you'll have, like, nine months of good luck. And the last year is going to be shit. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And I believe these next two are also in Spain. But pork and beans are considered lucky, too, because the pork's fattiness symbolizes wealth and the beans bring good fortune themselves. Lobster and chicken are considered bad luck, though, because lobsters can move backwards and a chicken can scratch itself backwards. So you won't be able to move forward if you eat them on New Year's. Good to know. Mm-hmm. You know avoid chicken or lobster dishes this New Year's. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've just got some general fa- uh, facts about it. So the concept of baby New Year has been around since 600 BC. It started in ancient Greece when an infant was paraded around in a basket to celebrate Dionysus and the oh, rebirth nice. of the New Year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Old Lang Syne translates to times long past. It was written by Robert Burns in 1788, but it was written from an old Scottish song, folk song called Old Long Syne. 
like he rewrote um, it. That's one of the songs I learned how to play in the recorder for that work party. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> it's the most fitting thing for 2020 is to play all Lang Syne on a recorder. I think so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the first Times Square party was actually thrown for the opening of the New York Times building in 1904. Over 200,000 people attended, but the ball wasn't dropped till 1907. Nice. Uh, there's only two years that the ball has not been dropped, and that is 42 or 1942 and 1943 because of World War II. Makes sense. Instead, there was just basically a moment of silence at midnight. Um, This is me being dumb, but I wrote, the ball's weight changes just as much as Miss Piggy's because <laughs> uh, it's gone up and down a lot, as does hers. And that is a girl that I can... I, I, I understand this. I understand this. Yeah. Uh, it was originally made from 700 pounds of iron and wood, later reduced to 400 pounds of wrought iron, and then in 1955, changed to a light aluminum for some time. Now it weighs 11,875 pounds. I like all the <laughs> electronics. I was going to say, and it contains a shimmery LED display with a new pattern every year that contains 2,688 2, crystal triangles and over 32,000 lights with over 16 million color patterns. Ooh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And then there's 2,000 pounds of confetti generally dropped in Times Square. I'm sure this, I don't, I don't know what's happening this year. I don't want to know, to be honest. Hopefully not. Um, <laughs> and then a couple other Honestly, things. Honestly, I so, was there one year. It's not worth it. I wouldn't want to do it. It'd be too, too, too much. I went to the parade once, the you know Thanksgiving Day parade once, and that was enough. Yeah. In New York, I was like, no, this this too many people. Um, some some other cities drop other things. Miami okay. is in the New Year with a orange named Mister Neon for the past thirty three years. Love it. Um, Key West, a drag queen, comes down in a shoe since 1996. Love it. Uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania, they drop a giant Hershey kiss. Very uh, surprising that they would Mm. do something with chocolate. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, drops a wrench because it's named Mechanicsburg. I was about to... Yep. That sounds like Pennsylvania. They're very literal with their town names, apparently. I've got two more Pennsylvania ones just because of this. Perfect. Dillsburg drops a pill pickle oh did you say pickleberg no I said Dillsburg like dill pickle oh yeah, I thought you said Pillsburg <laughs> oh no just that drop, was, in, yeah. drop a giant Zoloft and hope the new year is better <laughs> I mean uh, and then Bethlehem PA Bethlehem Pennsylvania drops a 400 pound peep oh my god mm-hmm. yep I, I hope uh, they just take all the old pipe, all the old peeps, and just converge them into a super peep that they drop. Just like mush it together. Um, yeah. And I've got one last little fact: the midnight kiss actually started with the Romans during their Saturnali- Saturnalia festival, honoring Saturn, the god of time. Uh, mm. During this festival, all norms basically went out with the window, and they just woo. Yeah. So they started kissing each other, and then. That got adapted when uh, Christians came in and had lots of wars and took them over and stole it. Yeah. And that's just some little fun about a little New Year's Eve and New Year's. Fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's always interesting to see how different like places around the world, even our country, do things for different holidays. Because like, I did a lot of like research this year about like like Christmas and just winter celebrations around the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of very different things, and I don't, I don't think it'd ever be possible to know them all. Yeah, which is 
Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So happy well, new year. <laughs> happy new year. Yeah. Yeah. This will be right before, right before the new year. Yeah. So have a happy new year. Stay safe. All that stuff. Yeah. And uh, here's for a better 2021. Yeah. I mean, it's overnight. It, things don't change, but no, just, there's progress. Just know there's progress. Yeah. Know there's progress and we'll start the year with hope. Yeah. I don't but, want it reminding me of hope and faith from ABC family. I don't show with like well. Kelly. It was like Kelly Ripa and someone else's two sisters named Hope and Faith. It was not a good show. Mm-hmm. It kind of I vaguely remember the commercials. Yeah. I remember watching it and I don't know why. Start the year with Hope and Faith. Not the TV show, just the concepts. No. Yes. <laughs> but It'd be good. I think that wraps us. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And if the spice as the spice would say, if you can't be good, be careful. <laughs> yes. Yes. So anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you liked us, I really yeah. hope that you will rate, subscribe, review, maybe share us with your friends, share us on your socials. Um, head over to our Threadless. You can get something with the cool eye on it. Or yeah. we've also got Patreon. If you want to support yeah. the show. Uh, if you want to find us on our socials, it's at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter, Detroit Strange on Facebook, and our email address is DetroitStrange at gmail.com. Yeah. And I think other than that, really all we have to say is Happy New Year and until next Stay. time. Oh, shit. <laughs> Leaving it in. Of course, you have to. Yeah. Until hey. next time. Stay strange. I got too bold. I looked away from the screen. (gasps) Oh my goodness. (laughs) This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was created by Detroit duo Sax and Violence.